Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Senior Living Today. Today, I'm joined by Springfield Masonic Community President, Tony Berardi. Tony, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem, Alexandra. Nice to be with you. Good to have you here. So we're going to talk a little bit about pandemic safety and some of the things that we've put in place at our campuses since COVID-19. Um, so what I want to start with is when we first learned about the pandemic and it reached Ohio, what were the first steps that we took at SMC uh, to keep our community members safe? Sure. Well, um, when the news first came out that there was a worldwide pandemic being uh, announced and that we had to take special measures to help prevent residents and staff from coming in contact and all the regulations were really starting to pour in one right after another. Um, the first thing we did was we got together as a company and we sat down and we said we need to put together a pandemic plan so that we can keep track of everything that we're doing. We can know what works, what didn't work. And then we can start implementing things as we move forward. So immediately, the first thing was we had to find ways to lock down our campuses because that was one of the first things we were told to do. So we immediately implemented a guard shack and started rotating staff through to uh, stop people from coming to the campus who weren't supposed to be on the campus, but also screening for COVID signs and symptoms, which were at that point uh, basically a temperature of any anything over 100.4. Um, and we had to ask if they've been anywhere, if they've traveled, what states they've been to. So that was really like step number one is how do we overcome that, that first requirement? The second thing was how do we uh, manage the reactions that the residents are going to have? Because this was something that was going to really affect their world. Um, at the end of the day, the staff members, it changes our life. It changes our world, both at work and at home. But when you're a resident, our work is their home. Yeah, so it changes here. everything. Yeah. Exactly. So their whole world was turned upside down. So immediately we started to look at things like social iso isolation. We started to look at things like how do we keep everybody safe when we could potentially be the carriers? How do we keep them together even though we have to keep them apart? And immediately we started to bring together um, the interdepartmental team. So your activities team, social services, nursing, uh, dietary, that's a big one. Got to make sure people can still get food. Got to make sure we can still feed them appropriately because in certain parts of the campus, we have people who aren't allowed to eat alone because we have to feed them or we have to monitor them. So how do you overcome that when you have 108 residents and at any given time only have nine people taking care of mm -hmm. them in a certain area? How do you How do you get them all taken care of? So there was a lot of logistical things that we had to figure out and there were a lot of regulatory things we had to figure out but we did it as an interdepartmental team, working together, bringing in all the aspects of social, uh, physical, mental, medical, and spiritual well-being. You know, we met with our chaplain, talked about how can he still go to these people and talk to them and mm -hmm. keep in touch. Because in the meantime, while a pandemic was happening, people are still sick. People are still dying. People are still grieving for loved ones they lost on the outside. And we had to try to find ways to meet all those needs. So immediately we got the guard shack in place and we started implementing uh, different infection control protocols. Um, nothing too majorly different than what is already in place for when someone has an infectious disease. But instead of it being isolated to one specific resident, it became campus-wide. Mm -hmm. um, we did things like implementing a scrub hub. So Scrub Hub is basically a warehouse that we uh, created that held scrubs, uh, scrub tops, scrub pants, long sleeve jackets so that our employees could come to work in their street clothes, change, 
go out and work in clothes that were freshly laundered. And then when they were done, change back into their street clothes and go home. So they were never taking their work clothes home with them. They were never taking their work clothes home. And more importantly, they were never taking their work germs home with Mm -hmm. them either. And that was really what it was about. It was about how do we stop us from being a carrier? Well, A, let's remove as much of home as we can from when they hit the floor. But then at the same time, as much as as much attention and worry and everything we were putting in about our residents, we had that same amount of focus on how do we take care of our employees? Because if our employees get sick, we can't care for residents. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to be the impact to somebody's life at home. If we can help prevent them from taking something home to their family and their loved ones, well, that's important to us. Mm-hmm. So we put in the scrub hub so they didn't have to take anything home with them. Um, we offered uh, testing, uh, which start, ended up becoming mandatory um, for staff and that. So they, if they weren't feeling well, we would test them immediately. And we were paying for those on our own uh, to a certain at a certain point um, because it was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I think is important to understand is OMH and SMC, we did a lot of things that were the right thing to do before it was ever a regulation and some things that never became a regulation because it was a best practice. We still did them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And we did them because it it was the best thing to keep residents safe and the best thing to keep staff safe. Absolutely. Resident safety and employee safety was paramount. Yeah. Um, So I think we kind of touched a little bit on how we took care of our community members, how you guys took care of employees and families. Um, How did we keep the community members in touch with their families? So um, OMH purchased over 300 iPads. And then our IT department, which is called DataServe, put in some um, device management software, which allowed us to preload different um, apps and stuff on it so that the residents didn't have to build a new app library. Um, We were able to go in and and pre-download apps to them, and then we handed them out to residents. Our activities team, we increased our activities team, so we had more people who could go spend time with residents who were locked in their rooms. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say locked in their rooms, with residents who were confined to their rooms Mm -hmm. because of the pandemic. We did a lot of one-on-ones, and on those iPads, we had everything from Skype, to Zoom, to to Facebook, everything was on there. So however their family members could communicate to the resident is how we tried to communicate back and forth to them. So we utilize from a from a managerial standpoint, from an operational standpoint, we, we utilize constant contacts. We utilize dial my calls, which is a one call system um, to push information out to the families. We were continuously sending out educational uh, information, but also updates as far as COVID status in the campus, what buildings, so on and so forth. Um, so that's how we made sure we were communicating out what was going on and then keeping the residents in touch with their families uh, was through mostly video conferencing uh, and things like that. And I think I even remember seeing on Facebook, um, there were things like hallway bingo. So that residents, even though they weren't close to each other, they were still keeping the correct social distancing proximity. They were still able to interact with each other in a way and, and still have that socialization. Yes. Keeping the residents in contact got a little tricky, but mm-hmm. things like hallway bingo was was a great idea. You know, the residents would come out to their doorway. They could see their friends and that from down the hall. Then we, you know, were shouting, you know, G59 down the hall and everything. And and it was fun. Uh, it, it, it got people out of the rooms a little bit. It gave them a little more excitement. It gave them something to do uh, because without things like that, they were just in their rooms. We weren't allowed to take them to the dining room for a long time. They weren't allowed to interact. 
We weren't allowed to have visitors for a very long time. So we had to get real creative on what kind of things could we do to make sure we're meeting the requirements set forth, but also get the residents to feel like they're still part of something. Absolutely. So what are some of the most important lessons you think that we have learned throughout the pandemic? I think some of the most important lessons that we learned is that there's really nothing that teamwork and having highly skilled, qualified people getting together uh, can't overcome. You know, that pandemic for a lot of facilities was just devastating. And it was difficult. Do not get me wrong. It's still difficult. It's difficult today. But when we come together as a team and you have people from various you know, lifestyles and, and various walks of life and various educations and, and all these different things that they bring to the table. But when you put them together and you have one focused goal, all those different viewpoints and all those different experiences and whatnot created an amazing amount of ideas and created just an unbelievable uh, sense of togetherness, not only as a company, but as a, as, a, as a campus and as one big family. So I think one of the things that you know, we really took away is nobody is invaluable when you have those types of moments. Everybody brings value to the table because somebody's looking at it differently than you. And we have to look at it from every way because you don't know what experiences the residents or the employees have or are going through. So you need as much people at the table as you can possibly get. I think some of the other things we learned is that our residents are some of the most resilient people on earth. And as hard as it was for us, like I said, we got to go home. We got to go home and see our families every day. They didn't. And our residents weathered it unbelievably well. And they were extremely grateful to the staff and extremely grateful to uh, every, you know, to OMH and everything that we were able to do for them. Uh, did they like it? No. They knew there was no choice. They knew we weren't doing anything maliciously, but we were doing everything to keep them safe. Just safety in mind. Yep. Safety is the was paramount throughout the whole thing. Absolutely. Um, can you also talk a little bit about the pandemic plan that we now have in place? If anything were to ever happen again, how quickly we are able to go back into lockdown? Yeah, so the, the pandemic plan, um, like I said, it started day one, and it is basically a chronological list of events of this changed and this is how we reacted. And then this is what we did next. Here's the policy we created. Here's where we had to redo the policy. Here's where we had to re-redo the policy. And here's where we had to re-re-redo the policy because everything was changing. Mm -hmm. But keeping that chronological list of things, it allowed us to keep in perspective where we were, where we're going, but also how how did we react when this happened? Because sometimes like a year later, something else came out and we're like, you know, that's pretty similar to what happened back here. How did we react? What did we do there? And it allows us to go back and chronologically look at everything we did from, from the very, very start back mm -hmm. in March of 2020. And that became a very powerful tool when state came in. Mm -hmm. So when the, the Ohio Department of Health came in and, and uh, to do inspections, we hand them the pandemic plan and we've not had a single surveyor yet look at that and say, what is this? This is worthless. I don't want to see it. Every one of them has grabbed it, looked at it and said, no one's ever given us something like this. This is wow. wonderful. This is great. We can go back and see because the way the regulations and everything changed, we may have done something in you know, June of 2020 
that they now come in and they look and they're like, well, this is the regulation now. Yes, but look at what the regulation was in June of 2020. And that's that has become pretty, pretty valuable for them to sit and see, wow, not only did they do the right thing then, this is why and this is where they made the changes. So they're able to see all those steps along the way. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for coming in and talking with me today. Um, As always, if there are any topics or anything you would like us to discuss on Senior Living Today, you can send us an email at omhmarketing at ohiomasonichome.org. And we'll be back again in two weeks with a new episode. Mm -hmm.